so oh yeah we have to introduce ourselves and introduce the podcast i feel like we haven't introduced ourselves we just like hop in probably very accurate okay sure yeah yeah we're about to start okay (laughs) sure it started how you doing how you doing hey everybody i'm noni lamar and i'm thea monier and this is all heart podcast all right, awesome. So let's get it. How you doing, Thea? I'm good. I really am. You good? Yes, yes. I'm not, you know, we'll talk about that because I have to go into my heart to heart. Should we just do it into my heart to heart? Let's go right into our heart to heart. Okay, we're just going to go right into it because there's no other way for me to talk about what I was going to say. Um, so like the planets okay. are demanding a lot of respect right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have no choice but to just sit my ass down somewhere and just wait it out and obey. Yep. Is that accurate? It's super accurate. There's an eclipse today, actually. There is. There's an eclipse and a new moon. Yep. All tonight. Mm-hmm. The third in 30 days, I believe. Third eclipse in 30 days. Uh, Mars is retrograde. Uranus. Mercury's retrograde. Mercury. Venus is going to go retrograde again. Yeah. It's like a. Is Saturn? No, 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 no. I'm not sure. The astrolog- uh, the astrologers listening, turn it off right yeah, now. Yeah, but we We're do know, we do do know that basically the planets are trying to destroy us. Right they're now. Dr- they're basically like, don't do shit. Yeah, don't like just sit there. I literally, I've said, I, I, so how, before I even knew all the planets were conspiring to slow down all progress yep. in all of our areas of life, I, I was feeling like. God, I just hit a wall. I was on a creative run, y'all. Right. I was gone. Like, our heart went. We did our first episode. Like, stuff was just dropping. Folks was like, you out here. And then, like, the next week, yep. it was like a closed sign. Sit your ass down. Sit your ass down. And then then all my business partners were like, hey, you know what? I've been thinking and reflecting. And, you know, Noni, you called me. I've been thinking and reflecting that we may need to just, like, you know, really just sit in this for a minute. And I was like, thank you. God. And yeah. then I got another business partner that called me and was like, you know, I think I'm going to take a week off of social media. Like everything just came to like a pause. Yeah. So when I say I'm okay, I am okay because I've adapted to the pause. It's abnormal for me though, because I'm an extremely active, productive person. So these are the parts that I'm um, typically less okay with, mm-hmm. like being like, not moving, you know, yeah. but I am recognizing that in the not moving comes a lot of like great stuff, like rethinking projects and repurposing them and getting excited about them in a whole different way. But, but y'all, I just want y'all to know you're not crazy. See, this is why mental health needs to be decolonized, right? If I didn't know right. astrologically that six planets were conspiring against me right now, I would think something was wrong with me because we're a very me-centered society, right? So when you can't produce... And we're like the generation of narcissists. Right. So when we can't do something, we're like, what's wrong with me? Pull yourself (laughs) together. Get back out. You know, all this like... Our our ancestors would have been like drawing stuff in the sand and like coordinating it to the sky. Right. It must be this. This is a time of this. This is a time of that. We are like, something's wrong. The American dream is escaping me. Like just all this propaganda, right? So if not... For all these other ways of seeing the world and what's going on and recognizing our connection to these things, we would think we were literally crazy, which is why I believe you have to include these things in your mental health practice. 
But it gives you like more time to relax. I don't relax, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is like I realize like do I relax? Uh, I know we asked I you. Chill. We asked you I a couple I weeks chill. ago. What do you do to relax? And I got stuck. You did get stuck. I did get you stuck. You were like, I take out my planner. And, <laughs> and I work I, in I, it. I, I, and I doodle and I brainstorm. But you know, I am I am this is part, your I am everything from rainbow to hurricane. So, so so maybe you need to go to the Korean spot, you know? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but also when things slow down, I don't eat the best. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so I also got to get that going again. It helped seeing that Sierra video. That Sierra. So if you haven't seen, I put like the Sierra clip on my Instagram at Thea Monye on Instagram, and like we should we should put that. that we might be have first to. Post. That needs to be up there. And our she's first doing post for our all heart Instagram is going to be Sierra. She's doing this move that like literally made me feel like get every segment of your life together. Like, because I feel like in order for you to master this one ass cheek, second ass cheek, both together, (laughs) coordinated in a circle, while I slowly rise up, then I slowly go back down. Like, in order for you to master that level, all the shit in your life has to be aligned. But I'm also like, she's in her 30s. Like, what's up with her knees? That's the first thing I was thinking. right? The shit that you can't do nothing about. I was like, how is she... Like, how does she get her knees to do this? It's a bad Because I have it in my mind. I'm doing that in my in, brain, listen, right? Or with and then my I, shoulders. I can do it with right. my shoulders all day. Yeah, but then I drop down. And I, and I just don't <laughs> know about the getting back up part. That is the part. And when I saw it and I saw like, wait, she only made one cheek move. And then the other, like, I just, I think I've watched it a million times. It's been, it has like over 500 likes on my page. I think maybe she does like <laughs> castor oil packs on her knees before she starts. Something, she has to grease slide some oil to me, like on the whiz. I would be like, I could be like there the tin to, man. There has to be a trick. There's no way, like, you're, okay, my, my ass, you can get your ass to do that. And then I watch, right? Because I wanted to see, like, you know, there are different asses in the world, right, right? right? So some asses, you get the ripple started, and it can ripple for a minute. Right. It can, like, it can do... That's a, like you, a, you speaking about my post-baby <laughs> booty right now. That ain't my <laughs> pretty, I had, that, like, that nice little firm, firm booty. I had the firm booty So, like, booty just, like, before. a quick ripple. It's yeah. just, like, it was, like, a quick ripple. Yeah. But I was, like, that shit would go into a whole other song. <laughs> You know, it's a, like a day it will be rippled into a new verse. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I was just like, damn, the ripples are short. There were just so many things in that like literally 30 second video. It was crazy. But it just made me realize, you know, I need to get my shit together and like align with some planets and everything else. And now the reason, I know the reason I can't do that dance is because six planets are in retrograde. <laughs> if that's it wasn't for that, that's the reason. If it wasn't for that, I am quite confident Wait, you you told me to check out Nicki's album too, but I didn't yet. So, are you I, a Nicki Minaj fan? I, I'm not a. I'm just a person, you okay, know. Okay. I just I haven't right. committed to All anything. Right. Okay, but like if she yeah. drops some hot shit, I'm like that's some hot shit. Like you know her verse on Monster, I was like it's still like Yo, a, a crazy. I, but I was a Nicki Minaj fan. When the mixtapes were dropping, like, wow! I was like, "Remember, let's take ourselves back. Let's take ourselves back. <laughs> Rewind. It's retrograde. We can go back. Let's go back. I remember sitting there in an apartment on Adams before it was gentrified. Before the gentrification, and it only cost me like three hundred dollars to live in it. <sighs> and I was listening to. I downloaded something like 
Young Money. I don't know. I don't know. I just <laughs> you know. Just clicked. I just you just clicked, clicked download. I clicked download, and then I was like, "Who's this?" Because at the time, there were no right, right, right. there were no female rappers. Right. This was after. Did we mention we were we were rappers? Did we mention on this podcast that, that we used to be rappers? I don't know if that's. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if, I don't like, know if y'all ready for the, the fact that we used to be rappers. We used to be rappers. We used to be rappers. We should drop. We, we should will drop have a song. to one day drop a song. Yeah, we should drop. We should do a new Ooh. intro. Well, I was about to say that, and then it's us <laughs> rapping. Yes. But we haven't rapped in some years. Anyways, so back then, like, there was no female rappers out. Not really. Remember, no. there was, like, a dry yeah, spell. Like, it was they, a dry spell. And they that got, happened. They got rid of the female rap category on the award wow. shows and everything. It was that long. It was a long time. And then Nikki came out, and I was like, oh, she's ridiculous. Like, but this was before Barbie. Yeah. You know? Well, I would say that I loved the first track, and then I loved the second track. It's called Majesty. The first track is called Ganja Something, but it's dope. I love the beat of it and everything. Mm-hmm. The second one is called Majesty, and Eminem is on it. And Eminem, I mean, Eminem, okay, does Eminem on that? Okay, I'm verse. Gonna that to was it. dope. But Barbie Dreams, Barbie Dreams. I, I I put it on my Twitter. I was I did a gif of like who didn't she go for in this verse? Really? In this, in this, uh, yeah. So she finally has a clap back. Yeah, and it's like. Basically, basically, what I got from it was all y'all want to fuck me, and then you all talk shit. Interesting. And so I'm a, I'm gonna. The women want to fuck her too in the song. Probably. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had other things to do, and it's like eight, 19 tracks, so I can't say I've gone through the whole album like, like, out, song by song. Right. But by the time I got to like six or seven, I was still like, okay, like this is this is a decent album. I would, I would. Bump this album okay. and feel hard. You don't even have to buy it, so it's like no. I would stream. I'll, I'll stream it. I would stream it exactly. No loss. No loss. And I could use my title subscription for something other than JMB. Okay. Because pretty much that's all I use it for. And yeah, so I mean, it's. I think we should listen to it. Okay. I'll I listen, think we should listen to I'll, it. I'm gonna listen to it. She has some. She has some. She has some lines. She. But that song, she really goes for people. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So the thing that's on my heart is. Um, Recently, I went up to the Bay Area um, to see a friend, and I it was wonderful to mm. just have one child because <laughs> I have three children. Mm-hmm. So I just had one baby. She's not really a baby anymore. I realize why they have those rules on planes where you have to pay for the child mm-hmm. to get their own seat. Mm-hmm. Like, she needed her own seat. Her own seat. Like, she's right at, like, she's, like, a few months away from not flying for free. Oh. And she was, like, kicking the dude next to us, oh, like, no. trying to breastfeed upside down. <laughs> but every time she kicked him, she would laugh because she's just, <laughs> she's, she's she's out of control. Yeah, she's, she's. <laughs> She's who she is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she would kick somebody and eventually like whoever our neighbor was on both ways, they just started serving her. Like, can I hold her juice or oh. does she want oh, some water? Did she you- came here a straight up goddess, man. Like, I love it. I'm just trying to grow up into being your children. Like, I want to be, I want to feel like Zuzu and I want to, I just want to have... I want to feel that I mean, strongly. I mean, they're free. Like they're, they're free. so, but they're, they're free, Noni. But they're also like very clear. They're oh, they're really they're yeah. extremely clear yeah. that like yeah, yeah, that then, someone is not as good. As yeah, me. <laughs> and it ain't me. <laughs> and it ain't me is what they're clear about. So, so we went up there and we just had a really, really beautiful time. We stayed with a friend. She mm-hmm. lived in like a, like a. A retreat center basically mm-hmm. like she created this beautiful home one of my really good friends and 
just treated us like I mean Amina was there, so mm-hmm. like the royalty, royalty, the, yeah, royalty. Right. So I, I was on I was on Amina's time. Like right. I was just following her around right. and getting some of her love everywhere. But I saw a good friend of mine who has been having some health challenges. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen her since her health challenges started, and she's really been on a, a healing journey. And it really got me thinking about, like, sometimes, like, a healing crisis mm. is a spiritual initiation. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And the person that I saw, like, I've known, this is a good friend of mine, and I'm not going to tell her all her mm. business because this ain't her podcast, mm-hmm. but it's a good friend of mine. She's one of the most loving, generous, good people that I know. I didn't know she could become even better, mm. you know, like I didn't know she could mm. be even more present. I didn't know she could be even more generous. I didn't know how peaceful she could become. Mm-hmm. And just spending the day with her, I spent a whole day together with Amina and I just felt so good. Mm-hmm. Like I started questioning my own choices. Like mm-hmm. this feels so good. I'm so at peace. Mm-hmm. We weren't always talking or mm-hmm. sometimes we were just quiet. We we're just chilling with each other. And just love, like, the love. I think that's one thing. Like, you know, I read yesterday that, like, this generation has less sex Mm -hmm. than the generation before. Like, that this generation, like, we obviously spend less time together. Mm -hmm. And, like, I realized how I hadn't had time to just spend an entire day with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, like, being present without anything else to do. No other agenda. Yeah. There's always three or four other things or people on the list. Yeah. Like, there's always... I wasn't on my phone, like... It was all about being together and yeah. that we had really planned to be, this is a day where we're just going to love one another. Yeah. And that really just had me being like, well, what do I really want to do? Because I want to feel like this all the all time. All the time. You yeah. Know? yeah. And I started thinking about like, my mom had a cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. when I was in high school, like a senior in high school, which made senior year suck. Right. Yeah. But my mom before her cancer diagnosis and my mom post cancer diagnosis was two completely different people. Yeah. Like the person I deal with every day now, that's not the mother that I grew up grew in the house with. Right. But she started to tell me, like she developed this thing around that time about um, if you're going to get inside a, an air balloon and as you go up, is like how you're aging, right? An air balloon going up and you have an opportunity to like, get rid of things like mm-hmm. throw things overboard mm-hmm. because if you if you're too heavy you can't keep yeah you can't keep going up yeah. and so you have to literally throw all of that yeah. shit overboard that's keeping you weighted down if yeah. you want that air balloon to go up right yeah. so period on any level on any level yeah. and so like i really started thinking about um I'm going to talk a lot about this book today because I think it's a really good entry level book. Mm -hmm. It's um, called You Can Heal Your Life. And I got the book Heal Your Body or You Can Heal Your Life um, 13 years ago. And when I got that book, I started understanding that every physical thing has a spiritual spiritual or emotional root. Right. So let's say that it's cancer, like my mom had cancer. It's like something eating you up. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, let's say it's constipation. It's mm-hmm. like trouble letting go. Let's say it's my dad. So, mm-hmm. so I think my dad's a great example. And my dad had numerous strokes. My dad is it's like ill to this day. Like he had numerous strokes because a stroke means rather die than change. Like, and so mm-hmm. I see like the difference between my parents where my mom said, oh, ovarian cancer, this is a spiritual initiation. Right. I'm not going to do this. 
I'm going to change everything that I've been doing. I'm going to change every way I've been thinking. I'm just going to become my real spiritual self, which is full of positivity, positivity, love, acceptance, compassion. And she walks as that. She saw it as an opportunity. An opportunity. And she became this fully realized person whereas my dad had stroke after stroke after stroke and rather die than change like he just he never changed and now he has to live with all of the decisions that he made when he was an asshole Mm -hmm. and now now he has to have other people care for him he doesn't have a choice in the matter no his spiritual initiation happened anyway. It will. And <laughs> please know, participate or don't participate, but it goes on with or without you. So that's it. That's what's on my heart, being so inspired. That's like perfect by, for our topic too, though. Yeah. Like all that you, that's like all that ties into what we're going to talk about today. So that's like perfect. So let's see. What are we talking about today, Thea? <sighs> we're talking about the, the question that is like at the root of what you were just talking about, right? To forgive, which in essence is about letting go, mm-hmm. or not to forgive. To forgive or dun, not dun, to dun. forgive. <laughs> Some folks ask she just got tight like Sierra, just at the thought of somebody saying like, they have to, they should potentially forgive people. You know, something I realized about doing this podcast is mm. like, this is holding us accountable. For sure. Like, I can't leave here and, like, hold a grudge. No. You know, when I started taking on topics like this, like, I used to do um, a, w- a workshop for women, and it was 12 months long, and the first month was always Forgiveness Month. Mm. And I-, I had to start with forgiveness because you can't do any other work mm. without forgiveness. Right. It is literally the first step. If you say, I want to change my life, if I want to change my re- pattern of relationships, if I want to mm. change... My attitude, if I want to change my job, all changes start with forgiveness. Forgiveness is the process of assessing and assigning in a lot of ways, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's mine, what's not mine. Mm -hmm. And then making decisions about what you want to keep and what you want to let go. And it's strongly, strongly, strongly rooted um, in narrative. Um, What do you mean when you say narrative? What I mean, so... We like to believe that our realities are truth. Right. And our realities are a version of the truth. Yeah. My version of the childhood I had is different than my mother's. Absolutely. So Mm -hmm. those are stories and we construct the stories. Now, that's not a bad thing. If you're intentionally constructing your story, then you're determining the way you want your story to go. But when we're unconsciously constructing the stories, right. then we are creating these stories, but not holding ourselves accountable for what we are creating. Mm. And so when you talk about forgiveness, when something happens or it's perceived to have happened to us, right? when we perceive an attack mm. towards us or a threat towards us, then that threat is attached to a story, our point of view in that event. I could ask another person, in the, another character in that same story, and they would give me a totally different version. I've been thinking about this a lot with um, black folks. Like, I feel like we are really caught up in, I'll just speak for myself, mm-hmm. okay? I'm caught up in the tone of voice that mm-hmm. people speak in and like how important that is. Mm-hmm. And like when you're talking about perception, Tone, that's a, that's a, that's a perception mm-hmm. thing. Like mm-hmm. my tone, when I'm using a certain tone can mean a certain thing. Right. But you hear like, uh, like yeah. you know, like yeah. 
that's a that's a complete perception. I don't know if I mean you're a therapist. Do white people deal with like tone of voice or only when they're talking with... to people of color? It's like <laughs> then all of a sudden it's like your tone, your tone is so. I mean I don't know. I mean I haven't met all white people, but the reality is like I think that's like. So we have different cultural stories. And in those mm. cultural stories, there's different realities. And some of them we agree on. But we, 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 our tribes are people who we share stories with and have similar cultural stories with or stories that we feel expand our stories. And then our enemies are those who have stories that counter our stories, right? So putting it back into the narrative perspective, there's emotional and spiritual and physical, which is what you were talking about. Absolutely. Benefits to forgiving. And this is why we have to start here. It's a cleaning of house. It's Mm. a resetting of a story. It's a reauthoring of a story. It's Mm. empowering. It's not weak. And it's not like um, you're just like being, uh, it takes a lot of strength to forgive. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of security in Mm -hmm. oneself to, to forgive. But the reality about the narrative is the, this is the most important thing about the narrative piece. If I've assigned this story to the situation and I've said this person wronged me right. and I refuse to forgive them, that requires I keep that story alive. And so to keep that story alive, I have to continue to be the victim. Absolutely. And I can't be anything but that. I can't be anything but that. And because if I'm anything but that, that person in my mind is off the hook. Here's the, here's the G whiz though. The G whiz. The G whiz is they were never on the hook. Mm. You've been frozen in place holding the story. They've gone on with their lives. Right. So imagine you sitting there holding a, holding a brick, holding a book, mm. reading from the same book over and over again, thinking this person is behind you, yeah. about to stab you in your back, and they're long gone. Mm-hmm. It takes up too much space. It don't work in terms of accountability because you're not the one who's going to hold them accountable. Life will hold that person accountable if indeed they did something that, that was wrong. That right? requires faith, you know. And you have to ask yourself, why don't I want to move on from the caricature of victim? Oh, because it feels good. It feels good. It and feels there's so less, good. There's less work involved. But I've been saying this, okay, I've been saying this recently. I was having a conversation this week with a, a good friend of mine too, like black women don't really want to be held accountable sometimes. Mm. Like it feels like amongst, I'm just talking about like me and you are both black women, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I, it feels like we're very comfortable with the narratives of we are the mule of the earth mm-hmm. and not saying, hmm, like, let's say like black women love R. Kelly. Like, mm-hmm. why are we going to like, you know what I'm saying? Just, I think just we should one. clarify this statement and say that black women born between the years of <laughs> because I don't feel like oh, there's a lot of black women that were hanging I'm R. Kelly. just saying but we who have is been streaming R. Kelly who is buying R. Kelly it's who, that younger black women though who is streaming R. Kelly who is buying R. Kelly records who is buying R. Kelly concert tickets who has kept R. Kelly alive that's why I think we need to keep the years in mind <laughs> look it's an age group look I remember <laughs> the first makeout sessions everyone was having R. Kelly no, was playing. Listen, this let's is, be real. This is, R. Kelly is was critical <laughs> to our sexual. I'm, I'm trying to say development. And, as so, I, and, and, mm-hmm. and so I think a lot of Black women, 
mm. our age included, mm. have R. Kelly woven into our sexuality mm. in like such Bill a way. Like Bill Cosby woven into our into idea of fatherhood. Idea of, Bill Cosby is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. How many black women went to bat for, for Bill Cosby? Mm-hmm. Black women love R. Kelly. We can't blame everyone else, mm. but we don't want to take responsibility for the shit that we do to ourselves. Mm-hmm. To me, it's so comfortable to be that victim forever. You know, I'm here for the victory. I think when it comes to black women, we are super forgiving. And that's actually a catch-22 for us. There are times when we need to say that forgiving something doesn't mean that I have to like it or or engage it, right? Like I can forgive something and not give it any of my energy ever again. And that's not the same as me holding a grudge. That's me saying, this is not healthy for me. This is not good for me. Those are called boundaries. Yes, but black women don't have great boundaries. And and part of why we don't have great boundaries is because like every other person on this world, we want to be loved. Right. And nobody loves us unless they are taking from us or unless we are giving to them or doing for them. Like that's when people show up to love us. I, I had this weird conversation. I can't even say where I had it because it'll it may let the person know. Mm. But in this weird off conversation that I was like the whole time I'm doing all the mental work of trying to figure out what is this person who this non-black person asking me for. Mm. And they talked about the relationships they've had with other black women. And from that I gathered that there was this expectation and that the other black women they had been around were strong and like spoke up and they really admired that. And so by proximity, by, by the black women allowing them proximity to them, they felt stronger being next to them. But then also came this expectation, right, that you allow me to be close to you. And so, mm. and the, the issue they were having was that I guess I had disappointed them in not allowing them to be close to And the whole time I'm thinking, are you asking me to be your mammy? Like, <laughs> this, this is what is happening. They're asking, like, you, they're asking you for validation. Yes, but also like, like take care of me and let me, yeah. by proximity, live through you. And so there's this like weird... But that's an erasure of white guilt too. And they, yeah, and they weren't even white. And so, <laughs> and so there's this, there's this weird, I think when we talk about black women, I think a part of the, the issue with them, with forgiveness has been after them numbers came out, the year and month, I don't even like to say it, that Trump was elected. Right. And that hard, them hardcore numbers came out. Right. To me, that was the best thing that ever happened to black women. Because after <laughs> that, it was like cold, hard data that you are showing up hard and fierce every time. Yeah. And ain't nobody else showing up like you. And I think it released this idea that in order to be loved and and don't, we got to talk about Christianity and the idea of forgiveness too, right? Because right. a lot of that was perpetuated during slavery, like turn the other cheek and all these different things. So there's a lot of narratives that we are just now starting to really own our own narratives. Look, hence a podcast with two black women, hence, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Beyonce Lemonade, hence all these different things that are happening because our narratives have been infused with other people's narratives, because we've been commodities for like literally everybody. But see, so this is this is where I'm at when you're talking about like the first step is forgiveness, right? Yeah. And how do there's a perception of us that we're bitter, yeah, that we're angry, yeah. This that, is true. That we're hard and yeah. unforgiving, yeah. And so my thing is, how do we take ownership for that stuff? So how do that's we not where, excuse yeah. it? How do we not blame? Yeah. How do we not? How do I basically say like? 
yo, like I do have an attitude issue sometimes yeah. or I do have a bitterness or a resentment sometimes. Like that is a part of my right. story here and, yeah. and not put it off on because this happened to right. me and this right. happened to me. Because how can I, I be free without that? I think that comes from the bitterness and resentment comes from saying yes when you didn't want to say yes. Right. And having expectations that you didn't feel you had the right to voice. Mm -hmm. And so I think for black women, when it comes to forgiveness, it starts by forgiving yourself for participating in your own abuse. And sometimes we did that by saying yes when we wanted to say no. Mm -hmm. And and the no would have been kinder than the fuck you that came six times later when we got (laughs) done wrong by the same person six times because we said yes six times when we wanted to say no six times. So the first no would have been kinder than the last fuck you. You know what I'm saying? By then you're angry. But the truth of what you're saying is we're really angry in a lot of ways because, and I've seen this in like business too, like women of color tend to kind of just hope that people notice they're doing good hope that people value what they're doing Mm -hmm. as opposed to being like, you know, ain't nobody up in here that could do this like I do. So let's talk about how you're going to compensate me. You know, it's kind of like this, like, well, maybe we'll hopefully attitude as opposed to like a go-getter attitude, partly because we're stereotyped as being aggressive if we say things. So there's a lot of things that I think we're trying to juggle. But my thinking is if we look at forgive, if we look at it from the perspective you're talking about, and we forgive ourselves, mm-hmm. and we say, you know what, you should have said no on day one, right. and you didn't have to yell that or scream that or lose sleep over that. You could have just been clear and had the boundaries. I think if we focus on that for our healing, then we will begin to say, even if they do think I'm angry or bitter, because they they don't say that anyway. People right. are going to say you're angry and bitter anyway. Right. That they're going to talk shit about you anyway. That's just the reality. You're a, you're a bitch no matter what. I'm going to be a bitch no matter what. Yeah. I'm going to be a bitch no matter what. Yeah. I can be the nicer. I can bring you like can, canned goods and shit. I can do all kinds of I would still be that, right? The moment I say something that you disagree with, I will be that. Right. So once we let go of the idea of what people want us to do or the fact, or we embrace the idea that they think that we're bitter and angry, like I am. So maybe you should just stop asking me for shit or like Mm. we start to just develop our own narrative. But I I do think part of going back to that bigger piece, that narrative that we hold on to is one day they're going to see us. Mm. One day they're going to value us. So we're just going to hold this position, keep piling up this bag of stuff we owed that we're never going to get. And that's, that's for black people in general. We ain't getting it. Yeah, Here. I, and I, I and I think when I say one day they're gonna see me or one day mm-hmm. they're gonna value me, mm-hmm. I'm usually talking about other Black folks. Like mm-hmm. I'm not normally like my paradigm is very like just like focused on the people that are around me, right? right? And so I'm thinking about less about an outside world and their right. validation of me. Like I'm not waiting for anyone to say like I love your hair, it's right. beautiful. Right. I love right. your 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 African features. Right. They're gorgeous. Right. As beautiful as any white woman. Like right. I'm not waiting for that, you know? But I am waiting for like that recognition and I've I've seen in my journey with forgiveness like it always is the self first. Mm-hmm. It is that mirror work of like sitting in the mirror and saying I forgive you. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of things. Like when we talk about the physical level people that are always walking around with headaches like anytime somebody's around me and they say that they have a headache I try to find out if they're being critical of themselves like why are you being so critical of yourself like I try to kind of ask some questions to see where are you being hard on yourself where are places you can be easier on yourself you know more gentle more gentle with yourself which is what we should offer ourselves 
Exactly. Or like if someone has a back ache, you know, they're like, oh, I have a really bad back. Mm -hmm. I know that it's a person that doesn't feel supported Mm -hmm. in their life, Mm -hmm. you know. And I try to ask like, oh, what are ways that I can be supportive to you? Mm -hmm. Or what are, try to help them kind of identify support systems in their life when that physical thing is showing up. But Mm -hmm. to me, that's all a part of that forgiveness journey. Yeah. Of self. Of self. Because you're actually destroying yourself. Absolutely. You know, I have, I recently witnessed, (laughs) I won't go into too much detail, but when you, let's say, let's say it like this. Forgiveness keeps you looking good out here. Forgiveness is the fountain of you. And lack of forgiveness will age you like brown liquor. I mean, everyone looks at my mom and I'm like, yo, my mom. Don't it, hold on to nothing. My mom doesn't hold on no. to anything. No. She lets it go. She is aging in reverse. Right. That's what I'm talking about. She's aging Benjamin in reverse. Button. I think I caught a gray hair on her once. Like one. And she's like, oh, don't worry about that. That's and it probably turn. went away. It probably <laughs> turned. It probably turned. <laughs> Brown. She's like, that's that one little thought I had that was a negative thought one. about, you know, the bathroom. <laughs> bathroom wasn't clean enough. You know, but I got myself I together. Out. I find out. No, I find you out. Know? So, yes, that's another reason. You will look like who did it what foe. <laughs> Do you hear me? Who did it what foe? If you don't... <laughs> What Let is, some shit go. What is who did it? What foe look like? It's, it's, who, exactly. Who did it? What foe? Like, you know, that's like, that's the question you turn up your face at. You'd be like, what the hell? Like, you ever see somebody and they literally look like, what the hell? That happened to me and I had to send Noni an entire text story who, to explain like. Who did it? What? and What foe? So, <laughs> if you're a vain person, if you're a vain person, which, I'm just which, trying to be awesome, real. I, look, which I am. Like we all, we all have our sins. I'm okay. Trying to be like that. Look, look. I have a sin of vanity. All That's right? right. My sin is vanity. Yes. Okay. Let's do it. I'm sorry. I do, I want to look young forever. Ever. I I just want to be like, dang. I'm like grudge for what? Like Jada's mama. Like grudge for what? Right. And that's what I saw. And and what my spirit said to me was, how can you be mad at something that miserable? Now you don't want people saying that about you. No, it's what we we trying to save you now. You listen, <laughs> let them be. Your goal is not okay. So let's get into where we're getting into now. It's like why do we resist forgiving? Yeah, why do we resist forgiving? People have this false notion that if I don't forgive the person, that the person is suffering because they, because they know I don't forgive them. They don't false. Know. They don't know. No. Or, or they know and gives two shits, okay? People are not sitting around waiting for you to forgive them. That is a myth. But some people really get off on vengeance. Like, they that do. makes their dick hard. The like. Scorpios have a hard time. <laughs> Scorpios have a hard time. Y'all will wait till the turn of a century. They, that's a slow plot. That's a slow plot. And I'd be trying to explain to y'all, like... Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, this person is aging in reverse because they don't even know you're mad. <laughs> they don't even know you're mad. So part of it is, and it's like a false sense of justice. So when I talk to people about forgiveness, they're like, but they got away with it. And I was like, and what, how do they not get away with it by you sitting here mad? Right. Like that really, first of all, nobody gets away with nothing. The law of cause and effect means, you know, it means what it means. Things happen. And also this is your version of the story. And the longer you live... That version, sometimes you realize, ooh, maybe there was some truth to what that person was saying about me. I'm going to say something. Um, So I was abused by someone in my family. Mm -hmm. And 
I think like things that are like this, like mm-hmm. people are like, okay, you're telling me to forgive, mm-hmm. but what if it's molestation, mm-hmm. rape, someone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. used to beat me up, like all of these things, right? What is that? This turn the other cheek, mm-hmm. you know, Martin Luther King shit. Right. Like what is right. this, right? right? And that was kind of my point of view mm-hmm. in terms of like those really hard places. Like mm-hmm. in that in that way, I, I wasn't an abolitionist in my mind. So like right. I'm an abolitionist. I don't believe we should have prisons. I don't believe right. we, we should have jails. I, I believe in more like restorative justice. Right. right. But when I was thinking about this person that like abused me as right. a child, I'm not thinking in a restorative justice frame of mind right. at that right. at that point. Absolutely. So my partner comes and tells me like, hey. I love this relationship with you. We've been together for a long time. But guess what? It can go no further until you forgive. Because there's no space for me. This person right. that did this to you. Because right. every time you're looking at me, right. you get a little bit right. angry with me. Right. You're seeing that person's yep. face. Right. You're seeing when I come to you to do X, Y, Z, you're seeing that person. Yeah, there's no space. There's no space for you. And that's the truth. And so I had to say, you know what? He said, look, you got a little bit of time to get it together, but you're going to have to forgive that person. And so for me, you know, I'm kind of radical. I'm like, okay, I'm going to forgive them. Let me call them. Hey, what's up? I want to talk to you about something. Remember when I was younger and XYZ happened and XYZ happened? And he was like, yep, I remember that. Okay. Well, I was calling because I want to forgive you for it, but I need to understand why you did these things mm-hmm. for me to be able to forgive you, right? Because this has always been my path to forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Understanding why someone is the way they are, that allows me, like if I have some context mm-hmm. of like what your motivations were around your actions, then your your sins against me, your mm-hmm. so-called sins against mm-hmm. me, they start to have context. And I'm like, my compassion kicks in, my mm-hmm. empathy kicks in. So me and him, we chopped it up for like an hour about what he did, why he did that, mm-hmm. where he was coming from in his childhood, the mm-hmm. things he had experienced. And unbeknownst to me, like he had already been to therapy. Mm-hmm. He had to sit in a in a therapy session with women who have been abused mm-hmm. and hear their stories. Mm-hmm. And he and it became about a conversation amongst us of me saying like, hey, can you help me deal with men? Mm-hmm. Because you kind of shattered this thing for mm-hmm. me early. Mm-hmm. Like, so when I'm having a problem in my house, I need to be able to come to you and say, I need some support. Mm-hmm. Like, I need some mm-hmm. guidance. I need, I need you to, to be there on my journey mm-hmm. to healing because you, you created this right, hole. Right, right. You know, and right. I know that that's not a popular way of dealing with things. It may not even, if that's available, that's a blessing. Right. Right. The hard. What you're talking about with abuse, trauma, those are some of the harder things. But also, everybody doesn't get someone who's, one, alive, right. two, accountable, yeah. or willing to help out with that journey. Right. So that's why the biggest thing about forgiveness is it's about you. It is like... It's no expectation. It's, 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 it's getting the keys to your freedom back. One of the biggest issues that I have with trauma... Yes, the the actual physical experience is traumatizing, but what what ends up being sometimes even more traumatic is how everybody responds after. Mm. It's the after response. Did right. people support? Did people believe? Believe? Did people speak up? Did people protect? Did people give space? Did people help recreate? Did people right. restore? But typically, that actually causes so much more of the damage because the moment, the moment 
time, time happens. But in the physical, we can heal the physical. We know ways to work on the physical, but we don't always know how people around us don't know how to manage trauma. Right. And so they, they re-traumatize us repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. So we get locked in the narrative too, as when they see us, when they, they avoid certain things, or they talk. So it's like a lot of it is in the handling of the trauma. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't, who don't have the right people around them to help move, move them through it, what can happen is the only form of strength and power can come from the not forgiving. Yeah. You see, like, it's like my protection. Yeah. And, and since, it's a way to make the self strong. Yeah. It's, like, it's a way to feel like you got justice. It's a way to feel like you have power. Yes. And mm-hmm. so, but, but the problem is, again, we go back to the beginning. You have to stay a victim. And really. And well, I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. the moment that those things were out of my mouth, mm-hmm. the conversation was had, me understanding these things, having this conversation, I was so light. It was like because it's not the totality of your being. It was. It was no longer my story right. anymore. There you go. It was no longer my story. It was a chapter, but it's not the whole book. And the problem and with I lack put, of forgiveness and, and, is that. And I stepped in and put a new. You wrote it. I wrote. You it. wrote it. The problem with lack of forgiveness is you're living your whole life like it's one chapter, right? And it's supposed to be an entire book, and you're supposed to be authoring that book. And when we hold on to that one chapter and we make it the deciding factor and who we are and where we're going, we, uh, we participate in the disempowering, you know, it, it's protective for a while, but it, it, nothing is meant to be a long-term coping, right? right? It's meant, so, so the release of that allowed you to write, look at all the stories you've written since that moment. So many. That would not have been written. It's, but, that's the true crime of it all. But I realized I didn't even really need that person there. I could have had this conversation Absolutely. in my imagination. There you go. That's the other piece. I could have had yeah. this conversation. I could yep. have sat down, yep. imagined you him. You could do it all in the spirit. I could have told him how I felt. Yep. And I could have imagined his yep. answers. Half the stuff I do sometimes in therapy is taking a, an empty chair. There's, all therapists know the empty chair technique. Taking the empty chair, placing it there, and having the person pretend the person's there and getting it out. Sometimes we'll have them write a letter to a person they never intend to mail. It's getting it out of your body, getting it out, having a voice, and then feeling like you have the power to retell the story. I mean, that makes me, it makes me sad to think about how many stories people haven't written, how many chapters people haven't written, because the only power they felt was in the not forgiving. It, forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person because you never had control of that person. We never did. Well, let me ask you, Thea, where, what's a time where you forgave someone that you felt that kind of light, that you felt like you were writing a new story for yourself? For me, maybe it's the Leo in me. Like I, Once I know something's holding me back, I want to let it go. So I, have, I, I haven't really had a lot of buildup, but I did have a moment where I had to let go of a narrative Mm-hmm. And that was a form of forgiveness for me because I had guilt over making a decision about that changed the lives. It's not just me. A lot of people might, that I'm close to. Mm-hmm. And, but the decision had to be made, right? Mm-hmm. It needed to be made and it was the right decision. But in that, I was trying to preserve some illusion of a friendship, of goodness, even if it was just for the sake of the other people involved, right? And last year, I had this moment where where I was like, you know what? 
that is this is this story is a complete lie. Mm. I do not like this person. Right. I forgive myself for holding myself to this false idea, for doing it for other people, not doing it for myself, for not being authentic mm-hmm. with any of it. And maybe that's why the person rejected it, because it was fake to begin with. Maybe they sensed right, that, right? Right, right? But at the end of the day, the moment I like let it go and cuss that person out like I had been wanting to for a long time... <laughs> Um, I was able to let go of it because it wasn't real. You know, it wasn't. So, so cussing out could be a tool yes, of forgiveness. This, I want you to understand forgiveness does not mean you have to like people. I would, I really, let's be, please. Okay. I know, Come on. Come on. I know no, Noni in particular. I mean, I have some friends that are really spiritual, but Noni has like more. Deep, Noni has like probably deeper people. And so I, all the deep folks, hear me out, okay? We got to be real. There's folks you really don't like. Let's talk about and real, real no, deep, not fake deep. This is real Let's deep. Talk about real real deep. deep. You do not have to like people. This is not a requirement. There are billions of people on this planet. There is nothing written that says you have to like them all. You treat them with human dignity, yes, right? right? But like, absolutely not, right? And forgiveness, part of me being able to forgive people is being able to say, oh, you know what? I'm not like mad. I just don't like them. Mm. Like, so I need to, it's not about forgiving or I need to like let go of the idea of forgiveness. Give them that. They can have that and just like stay out of my way because I just don't like them. That's the difference between forgiving. So I want people to know all this, I forgive, but I don't forget. That's not forgiving. That doesn't work. That's right. not forgiving. Yeah, because you still are storing the story. Right. So forgiving and being like, and I don't like you. That is different because you're clear. And now you won't have any expectations for that person to even forgive them. That's really hard for me with the Christian background. See, you know, because this is I where feel, we get messed up. Yeah. This is where yeah, we get messed up. Because why Jesus told me that I'm supposed to love everyone. I'm supposed, and to me, I interpreted that as like. Nope. Love and like are different. Love is, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You're going <laughs> to treat them with human dignity. You're going to be like, you know, you're not going to let somebody like. Right. You'll be like, here, have a PBJ and get the fuck out of my house. You know what I'm saying? Like, you may be like that, but you did your Jesus part. You know what I'm saying? Now get out because you don't need that energy. You didn't even offer them almond butter. Right. Almond butter is $12. They would not get almond butter. (laughs) You don't need almond butter to survive. Literally, you could have actually given them like... I don't know. Pe- the, butter the bread. Is, peanut butter peanut is acidic. Of bread. Right. Peanut butter is acidic. Well, there you, you go. You couldn't offer them an alkaline sandwich. No. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm not responsible for all that. I'm just trying to get you from this moment to out of my house, you know. But my point is that, like, no, it's true. I think we've been, like, to think, like, I would carry more negative energy having someone I don't like, that I don't connect with, that my spirit is like, ugh. Having that person around me and fake like like them is more energy than being like I don't like them and I don't want them around. I just started not liking people though. Like, like I think we have not liked them, but we just haven't been allowed to say it, Noni, because that, of the whole. No, I really do like a lot of people. Do. Though I really do. do. I really do. do. I really do like a lot. I do of people. too. It's I like most people. Rare. Me too. It's very I feel like rare. It's very rare. So that means if, if you do we me don't dirty. like you, if you I was about do to me say, dirty. if Noni or I don't like you, you done really fucked up. <laughs> It takes a lot. You you do me dirty. I'm not gonna like right. You, you see me. You or not me. even like. But now as you get older, you be like, I perceive dirty. That's like, true. I don't even like. Yeah, I, I don't even have to see yo, you yo, actually do the dirt. I can just be like, you feel like you. Yeah, do some that's dirty a thirty shit. plus. That's that yeah. thirty plus. That's, that's a thirty like, plus. You get you get new powers as you go to the next level. And on this level, you be like, you just just how you said that. 
I saw somebody like a, my host trying to seat me. I was like, mm, uh-huh. "You look just how you, you look. You look not well. You want you, me to sit here? I want to sit there. I want to sit. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to sit here. I mean, because you know, you get older, energy gets real. Because you know, we can't do all them knee bounces anymore. <laughs> so you can't rely on the knees. You got to rely on like the inner parts, you know, to like get you where you got to. Because we can't run like we used to. So now we we just got to be like. I have a, a question for you. You may not know. You may know. I mean, okay. you know a lot of things. Like, mm. what is the age cap for strippers? Just, oh, just wondering. This is like, some random shit. I'm just saying, you're talking about knees. I'm thinking about, like, when do you age out? But see, like, Jada's mom could strip. <laughs> like, Jada Pinkett's mama could strip. For sure. I'm not saying she should. <laughs> Or would I don't know Stripping is great I don't know what to say Bottom line is like I don't think there is an age cap As long as, I mean cause You know me I like a good show I mean everyone, So if you an entertainer Everyone likes milk porn you could Like be, everyone right. likes milk You could be an entertainer With dentures <laughs> If you put on a good ass show I'm gonna be like Bitch Take these dollars So basically I love saying, a good show so though. I'm a saying, sucker for a good show You know I am They can just do a wall slide Down to the ground They don't even have to bend If I down. saw an 80 year old woman Do a wall slide <laughs> I'm giving up The money You know what I'm saying Just on the strength Of what it took to do that wall slide Just on the strength I'm like Did you see that Take my money for sure. So I'm gonna support the cause. In your story mm. of forgiveness, mm-hmm. your breakthrough was learning that you didn't have to like the person, right? And that you were actually being false, yeah, pretending, yes. And that it was, and that forgiving didn't mean I felt this person should be allowed in my space. Yeah, it just meant letting go of the the narrative. Mm-hmm. Really, that's what people don't. It's letting go of the narrative because the narrative requires. If you hold on to one narrative, you can't create new ones. And so the narrative requires that you stay frozen in a fixed position of attack or victimhood. And you are, you are much more than that event. And you can create beyond that event um, and, or that moment. And so when we don't allow ourselves to and we ruminate, that's the other thing we think about on repeat, on repeat, on repeat about the wrong that's been done to us. Like, I, I agree with you. I think, I think when I've traveled out the country and I've seen that there were, I've gone places where black people were also enslaved, but they were in non-white spaces. And so they were allowed to create new narratives. Right. How powerful yeah. that has been in the fact that they're not holding that weight. But yeah. here we woke up to the same folks. And so Right. We're as much, we don't, we're not the only ones perpetuating that narrative. It's also maintained here by a system. So yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's different to transcend as a black person here than it is to transcend as a black person in another country in terms of forgiveness. But that's why, you know, I think us starting to reach throughout the diaspora and connect with our brothers and sisters who are able to recreate and create beyond that is super important in us understanding that even they view us as innovators more than we view ourselves. Like we see ourselves stuck in a story, but the first time a lot of people in the diaspora thought of themselves as black was because we said, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Right. I mean, you know this, that I didn't really tell my children that they were black until Mm -hmm. They were like one he had was like five, mm-hmm. and the other one was you know three or something. Mm-hmm. Like, but no, no, it was just last year. So mm-hmm. six and six and four, mm-hmm. like introducing that idea. the The concept of that was like, 
hey, we're going to give you a different narrative. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a narrative that is not based in mm-hmm. wonderful things like mm-hmm. Malcolm X. Yeah. That's, yeah. a, that's a wonderful narrative, but it's yeah. also a narrative of struggle. Yes. You know, it's yes. a narrative of, about fighting the power. Like, w- that's not where we began, yeah. you know? And so we began first with spirit. We began first with soul. Yeah. We began first with energy. Like, we began first creativity. there. creativity. Like, we don't really think about our legacy of creativity, but when you travel outside of America, like, that's a big part of what people talk about when they talk about African Americans here. Like is what they've created and what they continue yeah. to create. I want to write a I want to write a new black woman narrative. I've been wanting to write it for a minute. Like let's do it. Like I'm like all, a new kind of R and B song. But I think it's already happening. I think in, so. in a lot of in a, because we're my friend Amina is a, a director and she talked about the importance of black women quarterbacking the plays. So yeah. she's talked about the difference between when you're say a black actress and you're playing in a role meant for a black woman but your director is a white man yeah. versus if it's a black woman who's your director. And you, it's very different. And what I feel now is we're beginning to quarterback our own plays. As long as we're doing it outside of our trauma. Like right. if you're quarterbacking that play and you got a heart full of trauma, right. like you need to go deal but the with things that. You've seen, you know? like the things I've seen being created recently the spectrum of how we're being represented is so broad. Absolutely. That it's such a beautiful thing to see just our humanity, but it took us becoming the quarterbacks Absolutely. for that to, that, that to be seen. I think those are things we've always wanted people to know about us, mm-hmm. that we fall in love and that we, we have these yeah. other sides to us we're and vul- that we're, we're ambitious. We're and that we're yeah. yeah, and we have all, but we're also funny as fuck and we have like all these other things going on, but we could, those are narratives we've always wanted to tell, and we 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 do a bad job of passing those on to our children historically because we we pass into our children what we want them to hear to protect them. Right. So we don't always share the totality of the story, but I think we are already seeing the turn in, in the creative um, landscape of us being us quarterbacking and therefore being able to show the complexities and the richness and the depths and the and the joy and the joy and the mm-hmm. levity and the pleasure like I mean when we present ourselves say in a sex scene to tap back into last week's uh our last show's episode you know we're portrayed so sensually we're not like on display yeah you know we're enjoying it and we're sometimes in control of it and yeah. we get to say what's what and choose our partners and that's not the same as if somebody else is directing us no, in that you know so I think that that's my favorite part of Ava's direction actually mm-hmm. is how she directs sex scenes mm-hmm. because it really shows us in full pleasure it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and and she knows how to she knows how to shine a light on that skin too <laughs> that she can make anybody's skin pop but you know I so I think that that's an example of us letting go as a collective beginning to let go of that narrative and I just think it took some cold hard data because I remember like all black women went on strike <laughs> like after this is that. y'all no, president for, they, they came for us for that women's march it was like bitch you need to get up out of my face right now what I'm doing right now is figuring out how I can donate to Beyonce's <laughs> church so that we can get this thing moving I ain't got a cent left for you and that's literally what it took I think it took a breakup 
mm. of sort. But but you know, there was some there was some black women at the women's market. There was some. There was some. There. And and they some of them came. And I appreciated it to be petty and to show up <laughs> and hold a sign behind some other folks. And that shit was amazing. I was like, man, you better, you better get dressed and go to the march and be petty. I appreciate the commitment. <laughs> some people did. Some went because they, they were standing in solidarity. I'm just saying, I think it's the first time we reflected on why are we showing up all the time? We got to make a choice. Yes. That's what I think that we, we saw Trump elected. And black women had already been <laughs> turning up in the streets we for a long time. Black women, black non-gender conforming yes. people, yes. like trans women. Yes. Like yes. we we have we already been fighting for yeah. years yeah. under Obama. Yeah. Yeah. Under Obama, yeah. we've been yeah. doing it. Yeah. And still. I think though, the thing about black women that folks learn from that is that, you know, we we do forgive a lot. A lot, a lot. We're very, my friend once told me, um, uh, she said, y'all are very gracious. Mm. Y'all are very gracious. But also, we will threaten to leave a million times. But when we actually do. Oh, there's no threat. we actually do. There's no do, more threats. It's a quiet, it's it a quiet It is just escape. a quiet exit. Like, you don't get it twisted. Like, when we leave, we are so done. Like, we're done with folks. People, people just... Now are starting to adjust to the idea, but we're not coming back to you anytime soon. Maybe never. Like it took a long time for us to get to this point, but that's that's that that's that forgive, but I don't like you. That's not yeah. Then we got there. Okay. We got there All to right. the cussing out. Okay, and uh, I don't like you. I think I'm gonna use that. Let's talk about it some tools good. for forgiveness. I think I'm gonna definitely use the cussing out as one of my forgiveness tools. Don't be afraid tools. to cuss nobody out. Now listen, don't use this all willy nilly. <laughs> I don't want you just running out in the street cussing folks out. Don't use it all abusively, right? I'm just saying if somebody is testing you repeatedly, you know, it's like, okay, boom, that shot's fired. Okay. I kind of let that go. Yeah. Boom, boom. Okay. That's another shot. It's like a little low-key jab. On the third jab, let them know what's up. Let them know who you are. It's okay. Yeah. Because they already going to think what they going to think. And at that point, what they trying to do is test you. Oh, and like my mama said, keep loving them with God's love. Mm-hmm. And so you you can smile and cuss people out too. That, that <laughs> People don't know what to do with that. Or you can just like let people know. Like, you know, I had to let someone know that they were not cross-culturally competent. And that just literally shattered her world. I didn't raise my voice. I didn't leave my seat. I didn't put my finger in her face. I just said, what you have been saying in this space lets me know that you have a low level of cross-cultural competence. Bring them out. Bring them out. lost their freaking mind. I mean. Lost their mind. What are some other tools that you use? We want, okay. When I really got to, this is going to go back to the metaphysical. When I really have to, I'll, uh, I'll share something in words from the heart, definitely. But I have some stones that I use specifically around healing when I have to, when I re- recognize that there's some forgiveness work. And um, I use rose quartz and I use teal fluorite. And let me tell you something about teal fluorite. Please, because I, I use rose quartz, but I don't use teal fluorite. Teal fluorite, it just, even to touch it, it triggers me. Because teal fluorite, how it helps you to forgive is for you to see how this person reminds you of yourself. Wow. So you have to really be ready when you pick it up. The moment I pick it up each time, I'm like, shit, that's what it is. 
we're too similar in this area. It always shows me. Because they wouldn't be in front of you if, right. if, if you didn't share something. Right, right, right. Because everybody's either a clear mirror reflecting back our good, a smoky mirror reflecting back to us, you know, what we need to work on, or a little bit of both, right? right? So this mirror, this, so that stone in particular helps me to see myself. And sometimes when we talk about like abuse, mm-hmm. if you've been a victim of abuse, we have to look at how we've taken on characteristics of our abuser. Wow. I know. That's so fucked up and so hard. But sometimes, a lot of times, we feel justified in things that we do or like we're incapable of being abusive because we've been abused and that is not the truth. So if we're yelling at people or we're being harsh with our words or we're being, we feel justified by that because we've been abused. But the reality is that that is mirroring your abuser. Yeah. And so the even if it was a different kind of abuse, even yeah. To me, I I was thinking about that this week. It's like there shouldn't be any hierarchy in abuse. Abuse Mm -hmm. is abuse. Abuse is abuse. And I think and women, we have to really own how abusive we can be. Black women, we gotta really. But no, women in general. I that to me is really open. I think like I see women be abusive all the time, all shades. And I have That's clients true. all shades. That's true. And they, because we're, because we suppose, we, you know, we, we, we claim representation of the feminine, which we all have feminine, we all have masculine. Right. But since we claim ownership of that, we act like it can't be, like being passive aggressive is a form of being abusive at times. It can be emotionally abusive. It can be manipulative. It's a lot of... Neglect. There's a lot of ways that yeah. we are abusive and yeah. we don't own because we think of it in a physical way. But women can be some of the most abusive people I've I've met. You know, I get a lot of people coming in to me about but we think things that, women do. But we think the physical is worse. And, and, yeah. and as a culture, we, yeah. we, we have that value. And I'm really trying to shift that in my yeah. own mind that, like, if I say these kind of harsh words, that is just like yeah. being physically abusive to that person. Yeah, I remember having this talk with a friend that, like, I felt like every religion is so hard on women. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I was like, why, why do you always got to be pointing out women? Like, you know, there's a Bible verse, I think in Psalms, it says, uh, a wise woman built her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Mm-hmm. And another one said, um, oh, it's better to live in the rooftop corner of your house than to live with a contentious woman. Mm-hmm. And so I did this like exercise. It's pretty fucked up, but I'm just going to tell you what I did. I, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I pretended to have a really shitty attitude one day at home with my family. Mm. And so my, my husband had had an attitude, but nobody really cared. You know, it was kind of <laughs> like, uh, yeah, he's over there in a mood, you know, just whatever. Um, but when I did, mm. I watched my attitude spread through that house like a virus, oh. like a cold, like the way you see a physical cold spread oh. through your house. And I was like, that's why. I actually think in a lot of ways, mm. our, uh, our ability to emote um, is so destructive yeah. if we're not mindful of it. I mean, we are literally giving birth. Like, we are, we are giving birth. We to, create and or destroy. Yeah, but we've we've given birth mm-hmm. to th- this existence. Yeah, and so like the happy wa- happy wife, happy life. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but I think when people say that, it's like that's like basically I'm gonna be a bitch ass dude and just like whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. Happy wife, happy life. But I think it's like about the the woman. It's about keep, saying it is, I'm gonna be happy, like yeah. to understand that. And it's also well, about like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trigger her unnecessarily. Like I'm not gonna fight with her over shit. Like I know her power, mm-hmm. and if I trust her, mm-hmm. why why would I fight her 
when she's trying to do something good for this house. Like right. I'm just gonna like if she says this is the this is the way we should do it. Like nine times out of ten, she thought about it. 50 different directions, right. right? That doesn't mean that she's the only one that could be that way in the home. The, the If there's a father in the home or whatever the case may be, that the, another partner, they can be equally as intuitive. But but just know that like women's ability to emote and to be intuitive and to be attuned and the way they think about things is 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. It's really, and it, it affects things. 360 degrees. So I get more people coming in talking about their mamas than their daddies. I definitely do. I mean, back to that trauma that you said, Mm -hmm. like what what folks are usually thinking is like, where was my mom? Mm -hmm. You know, when I I was attacked by a group of skinheads, I don't think about those skinheads. Mm -hmm. I think about why was my mom late? Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. my mom wasn't late, then I wouldn't have been attacked. Right. And so it becomes her fault, like, yeah. like which is yeah, ridiculous. Like, right, like, right. like she was the one attacking yeah. me. Like that's but not women what are happened. the they literally are the alpha and omega of it all. Like they they literally are the source. And so like, with that comes, with that power, which we're in a society that doesn't teach us our power, that mm-hmm. tells us we're powerless. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. But because we believe it, we use that power very ignorantly and immaturely at times. Like because we don't have a connection to it as our as our power source. Mm. So we end up wielding it in ways that we're not even aware of. And so the moment we become aware of it, it takes so much self-discipline because you realize you can literally destroy people with the snap of your fingers, with the click of your tongue. And, or you can walk into a room and turn all the lights on. Or you can change a person's life yep. for the good. Like that's mm-hmm. the power that we have. And that's another reason why the forgiving is important. And particularly, like you said, with black women who, if we're going to be like, okay, we are the mothers, mothers of, humanity. Of, the, of humanity, right? then we can't carry the anger. Mm. We can't. And I say, and then we also need to take responsibility for humanity. That's what yes. I say. Yeah. And it may be too far for yeah. some people, but that's I mean, what I say. Yes. I, I, you know, we, I think right now we're in a place where we're like, we need to see a little bit more gratitude <laughs> and then we'll come back for you. But, but you know, we... I think ultimately that's in our nature to do. We have to actually stop ourselves from doing that. Mm. We have to stop ourselves from nurturing. We have to stop ourselves. Like mm-hmm. that's the, that's how we get into it because we're like, oh, they'll change. They'll get it. They'll get it. They'll get it. We do that over and over. And then we're mad because after all this time they haven't gotten it or they didn't see it. So what do you feel when you use those rose quartz? Because that, oh, I it's, know. It's the rose quartz helps to keep me gentle yeah. in the process. But the teal fluorite blows me away every single time I use it. And so what I do is usually I will hold the teal fluorite in my uh, in, in my right hand and I'll hold the rose quartz in my left. Left is for um, receiving and mm-hmm. the, sorry, and the um, left is for receiving and the right is for grounding. Mm. And um, it just brings it to, it just it shows me what it is. And then I can be like, oh, and then I forgive myself. Mm-hmm. And I apologize metaphysically because I'm probably too proud to apologize in person, <laughs> depending on the situation. Um, but I do. I apologize in the spirit and I own it in the spirit. And I, um, I then I look to shift that relationship in the in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really helps me. I also think for forgiveness, the ocean is really important. Salt water is really important. Yeah. Uh, because so trauma, joy, we've talked about this before, is held in the sacral chakra, which is also coincides with the womb, which also coincides with water. Right. So um, I know people may or may not be into it, but salt baths are really helpful. Absolutely. With letting go and forgiving and cleansing. You got to think of forgiveness as cleaning house, as 
clearing out space. You know, the best song for forgiveness is Bag Lady by Erica Badu. Ooh. You gonna miss your bus because you got too much stuff. That's like an auntie song. When they see you coming, they just take off running from you, right? Like, that's a word. Like, that, that is my forgiveness song. When yeah. I'm struggling with forgiving people, I put on Bag Lady. I'm like, I can't be that. I cannot be the one who misses their bus. You know that, that would kill told me. Us back in the she day. told us. She told us. She told us. And then we know the new moon is a great time to like let go, like today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great time to let go of things that aren't serving us and to um, set release. Some new, yeah, mm-hmm. Set some new intentions. Mm-hmm. The two things that I've used in my life, <clears throat> in addition to just having, like, I like, as you can see, to have like a lot of difficult conversations, <laughs> challenging conversations. Let's have them. You know, I, I love like that in person. That's good. If you in can, person, if you get people to do them, I'm I'm good for an apology too. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm good for a, let me go think about that and come back and be like, hey, because there's I'm only here. I'm trying to just do it we one. Just one time. We just want to get it right. Just, I just want this one time, and then I can just be a spirit. I'm right, not trying to keep the answer. To yeah, I'm not just, yeah, I'm not trying to keep coming back. So I'm I'm good for an in person. <laughs> Pride is gone. Humble apology, right? Humil- I call it humiliation. Humiliation. Yes. Hum- humiliate yourself <laughs> right now. Bend down, right? So two things that I like to use. One is the emotional freedom technique. We can put a link to, you know, how to do it. But one of the, you're, you're basically using like a tapping. It's a tapping technique. Mm-hmm. And you tap on different points in your body. This is definitely like on some woo-woo shit. If you're not mm-hmm. on that woo-woo shit, this ain't for you. <laughs> but you tap on these different points in your body, different places, meridians in your body. And mm-hmm. as you tap, you say, even though this happened, um, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. So mm. I think some people don't put the love part. But when I was taught it, it was taught with that love. Mm-hmm. Like It's saying, like, for instance... Even though I feel not good enough, I deeply and completely mm-hmm. love and accept myself. Even though I called that person out their name, out their name, I was about to three say three or four times. Yeah, I was about to say what I called them. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I called that person, right. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. You know, and so doing that really allowed those things to leave my body because I'm saying no matter what, I forgive myself. No matter what happened, mm-hmm. no matter if I'm, even if I had a, a hard childbirth, if mm-hmm. I had whatever has happened in my life, I'm going to forgive it by letting it go, mm-hmm. by saying I accept it all. Mm-hmm. I love it all. I love myself no matter what. Mm-hmm. I forgive myself no matter what. And another one that I always like really lean on mm-hmm. when I have a hard day, the next day I have a gratitude feast. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For me, it's like, it's really eating. Uh, I'm a gratitude groupie. Yeah. Like, I love to be grateful. It feels so good. I start counting my blessings, and my blessings always begin with that hard day. Yeah. I start giving thanks for Mm -hmm. all of those difficulties that I experience. Yeah. I'm grateful that this person called me whoop-de-whoop-de-whoop. I'm grateful (laughs) that I experienced blah, 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 blah. Um, But I really am grateful for it. I think, what did I learn from that? What because those things really do bring opportunity. To be honest, I mean, like like the things we call bad, mm-hmm. they are iles. They are homes of opportunity. That's that calamity. Mm-hmm. Like leaning fully into the calamity mm-hmm. and saying thank you. 
and really thanking that calamity. They Thank give you. you experiences that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to empathize or relate or connect with other human beings. This mm-hmm. is the truth. Because where we all really connect and empathize is around the, the negative things that happen to us. Nobody says, I'm so joyful. Let me go out here. I mean, it's, it's really when somebody gets your experience that you connect. Mm-hmm. And so... Sometimes that requires us going through challenging experiences so that it deepens our empathy and understanding and compassion for others and also makes us able to relate. This is another reason why there are certain groups that have joined together and can like interrelate and right. and there's certain groups that, that are always on the sideline because that hasn't been their group's experience. Right. But the other ones, even though they, they haven't had it within their groups, they've experienced maybe the same treatment by the same group. Mm-hmm. So they have something in common. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And that, that helps. Yeah, absolutely. So I really use, I really lean on gratitude. Mm-hmm. I really, when I'm thinking of like, oh, my children are so loud. Like mm-hmm. They're really turning up. Like I start really thinking about those days of isolation when yeah. I was a child and like, oh, wow. Like, when I was when I was feeling all this isolation as a child, it allowed me to even have this patience, yeah, or even appreciation for this moment. Like I had my quiet time, or even them loud means they're healthy. I'm saying, right? I'm I forgot saying. you you bringing up the part about self forgiveness made me remember one last thing I want to say before I share these two books. Um, the reason forgiveness of self is also really important is because people think the root of depression is sadness, mm-hmm. but it's actually anger. Mm. And anger can come in the form of like self-blame, guilt, Mm -hmm. and it can transfer as it rots into like anger at the self. And so when we don't forgive ourselves, which I I feel like that if you have to choose between forgiving yourself and other people, go with yourself first because it'll definitely make the other one easier. Um, You have to deal with that because it will form a perpetual depression. And depression doesn't necessarily look like... um, what we think of as full blown, you know, um, major depression. No, it can look like a a plateau. It can look like a numbness. It can look like a neutrality. Um, Mm -hmm. It can look like a low self-worth, like not going for things, Mm -hmm. like no, just just the absence of joy as opposed to like... Like an apathy. Yeah, yeah. It can look like that. uh, But really it's from a place of not deserving and this like allowing this lack of forgiveness of self to fester. The book I read that really just really opened my eyes about what forgiveness is, is actually a Christian book by R.T. Kendall. Mm. And um, I read it when I wasn't like really identifying as anything, but, but I, it was, I couldn't deny the truths in it, right? Like it was just about really at the end of the day, f- lack of forgiveness is about like holding a grudge and holding weights and believing someone owes you something. Mm. Yet, we don't want to we don't want to feel like we owe nobody else nothing. Like we have done wrong. Mm-hmm. And we don't want people walking around with tabs on us. But right. we feel it's okay to hold a tab on other people. Right. And so like that book really I was like the language that that he used of debting, of like the debt tours and the mm-hmm. owing, like really made me understand like, oh my God, how this accumulates in a person's soul and heart and mind. You're right. Cause whenever I see someone upset at me still, I'm like, why don't they just let that go? Like, I mean, like how dare they still be mad? Like still be mad. Like, <laughs> but it's because I've yeah. seen it y'all. It, yeah. Ages you faster than brown but, liquor. That's all I'm saying. But like, saying. who am I to say that? You know, right. if I'm not letting go of something right. and they're in front of me. Right, right. 
And just like, yeah, because it's not, it, it, the language around it was so good. Mm. And, and also our expectations that when, if, we, if, we're, if we do something wrong, we want another chance. We want people to Absolutely. see us differently. We don't want people to hold us to that person. Yeah. If we ran to somebody who was holding a grudge from 20 years ago, we'd be like, ooh, they should be over that, but we not over ours, which is like, Come you on. know, yeah. um, the second book is uh, Yala Van Zandt, you know. Auntie, I Auntie, Auntie. Auntie. You got a snipe. Come you through, got a snipe. Auntie. Come through, we Auntie. Have to give it up to the Obatala Priestess. Uh, she has a book called Forgiveness that's also really amazing around those works. But yeah, the, those two books, especially the Archie Kindle book, really, 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 I mean, that language was like, I never thought of it that way. And it just kind of made me think like, I'm walking around here like holding people to all debts that they don't even know exist. That's a lot of dead weight. And my book, once again, is the Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life. It's a really, that, that's just a it sweet. Is. It's you just, turned me on to that yeah, book. It's yeah, a, it's a really good book to just reground yourself. I'll be giving it, I, I give it to the, my hairstylist. I, yeah, I, I have I, to get, I give it to everybody. Well, if, you, if you do give it away again, I need another copy. I think <laughs> I've given mine away. <laughs> it's really good. But it's a good reference book. So let's end with some words from the heart. Um, Thea, can you tell us about um, what your words from the heart are today? So we're actually kind of double team. We're doing an all heart forgiveness challenge for yes. you all. Challenge. 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 So my part of the challenge will be your first 30 days. So what you'll need for this challenge is simple. Two white candles. Um Every morning for 30 days, you will light the two white candles and sit in front of them. With the first white candle, you're going to bring to mind um, an incident, a hurt, a wound that you have trouble forgiving. And when you feel, when you really feel connected to this memory or to this, this wound, um, you are going to name the person. You're going to say such and such. This is what you did to me. Um, and now I'm releasing what no longer serves me. And you're going to blow out the candle when you feel like you actually can do that. The second candle, using the same incident, you're going to think about things that you did or could have done or like some way that you even after the event, did you talk shit about the person to other people? Did you like there's, mm-hmm. they, you know, just something in how something that you did that's also keeping you tied to that wound Um, but that was within your control um, and that you can let go of and forgive yourself for or let go. Or even say sometimes I tell people to say to themselves, I did the best I could with what I knew at the time. Wonderful. And just let that go. And then when you're ready, you blow off that candle. You go do that for every morning for 30 days. I guarantee you in just a week you will feel like a new person so much that you'll be looking forward to getting up and doing the exercise. Mm. You will never run out of things to forgive. You will never run out. You, I always tell people, don't worry about that. That's not the problem. Even um, if you're five. Even if you're five, you will find a million things. But you will feel better. And it, it'll become something that when you start to do it that routinely, you begin to look forward to forgiving people because it, you're like, oh, this is going to free up so much space for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the next 30 days is an exercise that um, I've gathered um, largely from Louise Hayes' work, but she she got it from Emmett Fox, which is also a really great metaphysical writer. It's basically like you think about someone that you need to forgive and you pretend that you're in a dark theater. You go and you sit down in the audience and then you see that person on stage 
And then you start imagining all of the wonderful things you can imagine happening for that person. All of their dreams coming true, all of their joys realized, all of their passions. (laughs) Disclaimer, do Thea's 30 days first. Because for some of you, picture this person, I picture you bum rushing the stage. <laughs> so Donis is the evolved part after I'm we have cleaned the house. So hers will be the second 30 days. Hey, when I'm dealing with when I'm dealing with something that feels difficult, this is what I do. Yeah. I imagine that the person I'm I'm dealing with is getting all of their needs met. Because if they're getting all their then needs not met, bothering you. then they don't have no beef with me. Yeah. And then the second part of the exercise is then you imagine yourself on stage. You yeah. They exit and you get on stage and you imagine all, all of your dreams yeah. coming true. Now that part's easier. All of your joys realized, <laughs> you would think. All you of your joys, because it's a relationship. Right, right, right. It's a relationship. Right, right, right. And that's what you're connecting. Yes. I yeah, see you it. have to connect yourself to it too and say, oh, and now I'm wonderful and now yeah. I'm great. And they're wonderful, and they're and great. I can't want good things for me and bad things for them. And that you don't have to way. imagine yeah. leaving the theater together. No, right? Because you don't have to like them. You don't. Have you just to. have to recognize mm-hmm. that you can't want good things for you and not for the other person. And lastly, y'all, I'm gonna read a little yes. bit. It's a little story time there with is. um. I mentioned Louise Hay, and she did pass this past year, and she's my white fairy godmother. <laughs> she's somewhere. <laughs> With my other white ancestors living ancestors. <laughs> living a wonderful life. And um, she definitely was the first stop in my journey of healing myself. And here we go. This is her talk on forgiveness. And I want to share these words here. <clears throat> you can never be free of bitterness as long as you continue to think unforgiving thoughts. How can you be happy in this moment if you continue to choose to be angry and resentful? Thoughts of bitterness can't create joy. No matter how justified you feel you are, no matter what they did, if you insist on holding on to the past, then you will never be free. Forgiving yourselves and others will release you from the prison of the past. When you feel that you're stuck in some situation or when your affirmations aren't working, it usually means that there's more forgiveness work to be done. Mm-hmm. When you don't flow freely with life in the present moment, it usually means that you're holding on to a past moment. It can be regret, sadness, hurt, fear, guilt, blame, anger, resentment, or even sometimes a desire for revenge. Each one of these states comes from a space of unforgiveness, a refusal to let go and come into the present moment. Only in the present moment can you create your future. So I think that's that's w- perfect. Where we're gonna end. That's perfect. We're ending with Noni's white fairy cotton. <laughs> Thanks y'all so much for listening. Please like, share, share, subscribe, quote, quote, follow us on social media, all all the things. All of the things and all the links will be in our what is it, what do they call it? Caption. Hey, we new to the game. Thanks, (laughs) y'all. Thanks, y'all. It was great talking with you. Bye.